0: So nice, Scott. Bless you. are very grateful. Have fun. It's all Pleasure. yours. I got it. Hey, thanks, students. Man, it feels good to be back. I leaned over to Karen, Sister Karen, and I said, thank you so much, you and President, for the invite. Um, and just to be on the board, it's a dream come true, Pre- president, and Karen, and uh, all the board members that are here, the VPs, uh, Brother Andrew, I love you, Michigan guy, Brother Ron, you're the best, Alan Tennyson, uh, Doug Graham, uh, Bradley, uh, Donna, uh, just, you, you have people around you that love you, you know that, right? And when you have people around you that love you, it just opens up God's blessing to your life. And um, President, thanks for your leadership, Uh, just being on the board for this last year. It just feels right. You are right in God's plan, and we rejoice with you. And I count it a privilege, and I've got to run because uh, we've got just a few minutes, but I believe the Lord laid a word on my heart for you today and I know how it was uh, as a student. Every day you're in chapel, it uh, can become kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher on the phone, wah, 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 wah. But will you just open up your heart and life and uh, ask the Lord to speak to you over these next few moments? President said that um, the building that you're in is uh, called Trask Word and Worship Center, and that is obviously named after my dad. My dad is one of the most unique individuals. He graduated class of 56. He and mother met here. And um, my dad's the most entrepreneurial guy that I've ever met. He was the 11th general superintendent for the Assemblies of God. And um, my dad never jogged, never played golf. He uh, played a little bit of ball out in the driveway with me. But uh, he didn't play tennis. My dad decompressed. When he was at headquarters, if he wanted to just uh, get a little bit casual, he would he would go to use car lots, and he is a a person that is just brilliant when it comes to buying cars. When we were uh, in Springfield earlier this week with. Uh, Dr. Tennyson and Dr. Tennant for the Commission on Doctrinal Purity, on the way to the airport, my dad and I bought three automobiles just on the way to the airport. And uh, one of the things that my dad has instilled within me about buying cars is this. You've got to know what options are on the car. If it has Bose stereo, and uh, a CD player, you know what? It ups the value. If it's uh, leather upholstery, it ups the value. If it's just cloth or vinyl, back in the day when I was a student here, I had a 73 duster. Uh, you wouldn't know what that was, but uh, tell me it wasn't much of a car. The fact of the matter was that the greater the options, the more the value if you will you have to know the options on the vehicle i would submit to you that it's a matter of life and death spiritually for you students because you have if you will two options for the most part how you're going to live wherever you're from in the midwest or all around the world you've got two options Option A in your life is that based upon what happens to you, you can get bitter and angry and hostile and unforgiving. You can let the enemy of your soul rob you and victory can be lost in your life and you can die a person that never fulfills the purposes of God for their lives. That's option A. But option B is based upon what happens to you, you can trust God, you can lay your life before him and believe that he is truly able to make all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And he has plans, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you believe that he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future starting today. And Joseph, in the Old Testament, is a man that had more than the normal dark days. And I want to read, if I can, just two and a half verses of Scripture. And listen with me, will you? That uh, it's amazing. Genesis chapter 39, and I pick up reading at verse number 19. When his master heard, Joseph's master Potiphar, heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Lord, in these next few moments, these students aren't here by accident. Lord, I don't believe I was invited by the president, Brother Graham, by accident. I pray that you would speak through me a word to each one of these students. I've been there where they're at. And Lord, I pray that your grace might just abound to them. I ask, Lord, if you can't speak through me, speak in spite of me to these people that you and I love. In Jesus' mighty and awesome name. And everybody would say, amen. amen. Peter Marshall was the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. And he said these words, you see the quote on the screen. It's a fact of Christian experience that life is a series of troughs and peaks. In his efforts to get permanent possession of the soul, God relies on the troughs, say troughs, troughs more than the peaks. And some of his special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. I would submit to you, students, that's exactly a word that aptly describes the life of Joseph. Joseph is put in this dark, dirty dungeon. Do I need that? Sorry. We'll try that. How's that? You, tell, you give me the word if I need to use the handheld. But Joseph had more than his normal Uh, Dark and dirty dungeon days, if you will. Not for doing the wrong thing. You've got to understand that. Look at his life. It was for doing the right thing. He, He is condemned to the dungeon for having good character. For the summary of Joseph's life to this point, good guys finish last. That's really what it was. Yet after being rejected by his brother, rebuked by his dad, Sold into slavery after being thrown into a dried up well, carried off to a foreign land, falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned. Here he is, Joseph remains totally devoted to God. Whether he's in the pits or he's in the prison, the fact of the matter is he's gonna keep serving God. And what a model for you and I to follow. There's no life that's represented here, students. Where you get an option, if you will, pain or no pain, I'll choose no pain. It comes for us all, no matter where we're at. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus himself said it, the rain falls on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Just a different metaphor, if you will. You have the option in life. You get bitter or you get better. My wife and I have a a four-year-old girl that we adopted, Eleanor. And we named her, spelled it a little differently, but named her after, in great part, Eleanor Roosevelt. And Eleanor Roosevelt said, "One's philosophy is not best expressed in words, it's expressed in the choices one makes. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. Real quick this morning, I want to give you four prison principles you've got to live your life by. Whether the Lord calls you to preach, or in the business world, or an educator like my wife, the fact of the matter is, you've got to apply these four principles for your life, and I believe they'll suit you well. First in life, you've got to apply the principle of don't demand to understand. There's going to be situations in your life where you're just not going to be able to figure it out in life. Here's Joseph in this prison, the innermost dungeon of Pharaoh's court, if you will. He's under tight security. Again, I'm repeating, not for doing the wrong thing, but he purposed to be pure. He he dared to be different, and he's thrown there. But the fact of the matter is, he trusts, and even though he's in the dungeon, he trusts and says, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I trust you. Can I tell you, some of you might be in the chapel today and you've got a why question in your heart and your life. I want you to know, if you've got a why question, why did this happen? Why is this going on? You're in good company. Habakkuk in the Old Testament, the whole book's just about why. John the Baptist is thrown into prison and he calls on Jesus, are you the one? The Apostle Paul says, I'm perplexed. The prophet Joel threw up his hands and he said, I just don't understand. I have a, a tradition in my uh, church, a group of us get together on Thanksgiving morning and I uh, like the cross country team, I hope you dominate today in that conference championship. But I, uh, I can't play ball, but I want one of these Board of Regents. We're gonna get out there, President. And uh, you're gonna run the two, I'm gonna run the one still, all right? If that's all right. And we're gonna run the court with these guys. But my, my tradition now is I run a 10K on Thanksgiving morning. And I run down the parade route of the, uh, the Thanksgiving Day parade route in the city of Detroit. And while I'm running on the parade route, there's these little kids, because after the 10K, the kids are going to come, and they're going to just watch Santa Claus and the floats and the balloons. And I love it because I run down the street, and I slap them high five, and they're like, go, old man, go, old man, go, old man. We had 10,000 approximately runners uh, last year, and I think I finished 1,732nd. Nobody ever got excited about that, I want you to know. But can I tell you? At the same time that parade is going on, where those kids sit there, and they can see about 30 feet either side, there's a group of executives in what's called the Renaissance Center, right at the base of the Detroit River, that looks down the whole parade route. And they, those execs come in there, they have a nice brunch, and uh, they hang out with their families, and they watch the parade route from a totally different perspective. They're watching, and, and they see every float, and they see every, every band that comes down the street. And I would submit to you, students, that's really how you and I live I'm kind of like that kid on the street. I I can see a little bit here or there yesterday or, or tomorrow a little bit. But I don't have the big picture in mind. But I've got a God in heaven. The word says his ways, Isaiah 55, are different and they're greater than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. And he sees the whole parade route all while it's happening. And in his life, Joseph, all he could see is, I'm in the dungeon, but I'm still going to be found faithful to God because there are going to be situations in your life, students. It's not a bad prophecy. It's just a matter of life. Things are going to happen to you. My wife and I, my wife is a brilliant school teacher. She was nominated as Teacher of the Year in the state of Michigan in public schools. I married way over my head. And uh, she and I started this church in Brighton. Pastor is going to be, our president's going to be there a week from Sunday. And uh, she and I started this church. They just parachuted us in, Brother Bontrager. No no support. I mean, it's okay. The district literally said, Brad, if you feel good about going, go, but don't ask for any money, we don't have any. But we felt it. And we went there and we forewent having children uh, right away, because we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Rhonda got this great teaching job. After three or four years, we said, okay, maybe we can start a family. We can afford to do it. We, we, <laughs> we're not going to be living in poverty. And it, literally within five days of trying to ha- start having a family, uh, something went wrong went through, over the next couple of years, all kinds of tests upon my wife, myself. Now, I won't bore you with the details, but after about three or four years, the doctor finally called and just said, you know, Rhonda, they should have harvested your eggs way back when. It's not going to happen for you. You know what? Hey, you're not going to have kids. And that killed us. You know, here we were. We're trying to plant this church. And ungodly people in the school, 11 of Rhonda's fellow teachers are trying to have children. All 11 of them are able to have kids, and my wife can't, Brenda. I remember calling my dad, president, Alaska, early morning. I said, Dad, what's going on, man? Here we are. We're trying to work for the kingdom. We're trying to work preach God's word just get a a little church off the ground and these people that are godless they can have kids but we can't I can remember it like it was yesterday we hung up the phone after we prayed and had a good cry together and as sure as I'm talking to you students felt like the Lord spoke to me not audibly but in my spirit Brad you don't have to understand but you do have to trust me and there's going to be situations in your life, students, and, and your circumstances. You're not going to have it all figured out, but you've got to trust him. You d- can't demand to understand. You know what? I, I like what Rick Warren says. He says, trying to understand all of God's ways is like me trying to explain to an ant how the internet works. It just doesn't, I mean, it's, it's futile. So say it with me. Don't demand to understand. Secondly, don't fail to be faithful. Here's Joseph in the prison, and yet God uses him as a strategic interpreter for a baker and a butler. And I would submit to you if he's not faithful, he's not available for God to use him in that prison system when the baker and the butler from Pharaoh come before him. I want you to know something, students. With God, there are no accidents, there's only divine appointments. There's only divine appointments that he's gonna strategically place in your life. I love what Dr. Tennyson's mother spoke to me, great mentor to my life, Martha Tennyson. She said, Pastor, do you realize, Brad, butlers are people that open doors. And the fact of the matter is, this butler is gonna be strategic to open up a door for Joseph moving forward. God's appointments, I would submit to you, there's no accidents, only appointments, but God's appointments, students, never disappoint. And you've been given a trust. You've been given a trust. God God has called you. You're disciplined, I love basketball, I love playing ball out there, but can I tell you, what I should have worked on more than my basketball skills, one brother to another. So, I should have worked on my disciplines in my personal life. If I could do it all over again, yeah, I'd still go to practice. I'd still be faithful. I'd still hope I could be voted the captain and small college All American like your president. But the fact of the matter is, you know what? I, I should have been more faithful with the trust that had been given to be the best student I could be. The word says, 1 Corinthians 4, now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. The word tells us, you know what, you're, you're, you're going to make a decision with those, that talent that you've been given now. And if you are faithful with the little God, will make you ruler over much. Just be faithful where you're at. Amen. I love the picture. You see the Sistine Chapel there. Michelangelo is painting it. And uh, he's painting a little niche in a corner. And a friend says, why, why are you painting there, Michelangelo? No one will ever see and he responded, I see it and God will see it. The fact of the matter is, I would submit to you, you've got to be faithful where you're at. Be faithful in your studies. Be faithful in your chapel attendance. Be faithful in your relationships one with another. Thirdly, don't demand to understand. Don't fail to be faithful. Don't bow to bitterness. I love this about Joseph's life, students. And you know it, bitterness is just fermented anger. You know, he, he, he could have been embittered, you know what? My brothers, my dad, my, my, uh, my employer. But there's nothing worse than somebody that is embittered. And if you look at it, I won't take the time to read it, but if you will later today, just read that chapter 40, verses 14 and 15. He says a word to the butler. You know what? When God restores you, don't forget about me. But you know what's interesting? He doesn't badmouth his brothers, Potiphar or his wife. He just says, I'm here. I've been thrown in the dungeon. I don't deserve it. There's no hint of bitterness within his heart and his life. You know, students, I want you to look at me just a second, okay? Because here's something that God likes and he loves. He loves it when something bad happens to you and you respond the right way. Look what the word says, 1 Peter chapter 2. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. But here's the deal. If you let a root of bitterness get in, it can destroy your life, it can destroy your ministry, it can destroy the dreams, the plans, where the Lord has all the parade routes scanned and laid out for you. If you get embittered, you can lose out. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody that maybe your parents Broke up while you were in your childhood. You're still angry towards a mom or a dad. I don't, I don't know what you've gone through. Maybe you're just here and just the circumstances. You just say, you know what? I didn't get a fair shake. Would you ask the Lord to take that root of bitterness out today, students? President, my, I can remember the man when, it, when I was still a little boy. My dad was what, in the Assemblies of God, in the day, was what is now called a DYD. He was the DCAP for Michigan. And there was, in, in our, the polity in Michigan, uh, there was an assistant DCAP. And uh, when my, the Lord called my parents to uh, Saginaw First Assembly when I was six years old, uh, there was, the assistant DCAP uh, really envisioned, you know what, Tom Trask is leaving. You know what, I'm going to fill his role. But when the presbytery met, the the governing brothers met, and sisters, they said, you know what, we're going to go a different route, bro, to this assistant. I'll call him Joe, it's not his real name, I promise you. But Joe, you know, nice, thanks for serving. You can still be the assistant, but you're not going to be the head guy. And Joe thought he got done wrong. And if you would have told, you asked my parents someday, If you would have ever told my parents that Joe is the assistant DYD of Michigan, would have ever left his wife, fathered a child out of wedlock, and left the ministry, they would have said, you are crazy. But that's exactly what happened because he got embittered and allowed a root of bitterness to take hold in his life. Students, you can't afford to lose out with God. You can't afford to get embittered. You can't afford to let the enemy get a foothold. I want to give you one last idea. Say it with me. Don't demand to understand. Say, don't fail to be faithful. Thirdly, don't bow to bitterness. And fourthly, don't push providence. Look at this passage. The chief cupbearer, that's the butler, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him when two full years had passed. Joseph had a dream. He's been in prison 10 years. He's somewhere around 17 when he, when he gets in prison, maybe 18. He's now getting close to 30. Think about this, students. He thinks, and or he could think, everybody's forgotten him. His mother has passed away. His father thinks he's dead. His brothers have forgotten him. Potiphar's forgotten him. Uh, Potiphar's wife has forgotten him. Pharaoh doesn't even know him. The butler has forgotten him. The baker is dead. But I want you to know, God had not forgotten Joseph. <laughs> And I guarantee you there's a spirit within Joseph saying, you know what, if I can just get a word to the Pharaoh and to the butler, hey, remember me back here in prison? But he forgot him for two years. And you say, well, what's the big deal, Brad, in my life and in my ministry? I'll tell you what the big deal is. There's gonna be situations in your life, students, where you're gonna try and make it happen or tempted to be make it happen. And you've got to allow the Lord to do it providence, pro, before he sees it all. And the fact of the matter is in life, students, you've got to trust him. He'll open up the doors. If you make it happen when the tough times come, you're going to have to ask yourself, was I supposed to be here or did God put me here? But if you know God put you there, you can go through the difficult times. I close with this illustration. I, uh, I love the life of Joseph. And uh, one of the board members, Papa G, Gary Grogan, he and I, a number of years ago, went with Sam Farina to uh, study under a man for about three or four days. His name was Stephen Alford. And uh, Stephen Alford was a unique person. Stand with me, would you, students? I want to just share this and I'll close. And invite you to fast and pray with us. But Stephen Alford's an interesting study, students. He's the missionary kid of missionaries, his parents were, to Angola. And... um, Stephen Alford said, you know what? Hey, mom and dad, you did great, great missionaries. The fact of the matter is, wonderful. I wanna make a lot of money and, uh, and I'll give the money to missions, but I'm not gonna be a missionary. I'm not gonna even be uh, in the full-time ministry. Don't want it, don't, don't wanna have anything to do with it. He has a brilliant mind like many of you. And he decides to go to Cambridge to study uh, Engineering and he develops a carburation system for motorcycles. On the weekends, he races the motorcycles to be able to really fund his schooling. Near the end of his education, he uh, gets caught in a rainstorm with this motorcycle and takes it down into a ditch. He uh, falls face down into a, a puddle, big puddle of water water gets into his lungs he wakes up comes to consciousness he's in a hospital and the doctor's looking him over says you've got an amazing amount of fluid in your lungs literally you better get right with God or make it right with your maker because you're not going to make it Stephen Alford this great man of God 22 years old gets out of his bed and he uh And he's handed, as he's getting out of his bed, he's handed a a letter from his dad that is written to his son before the accident ever happened. And he knew, his dad knew that he was wrestling with his commitment to the Lord. And all the letter says is, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Stephen Alford kneels next to his bed and he prays a prayer that I've prayed many times in my life, that it's just six words. He looks up to heaven and he calls out, Lord, anytime, anywhere, any cost, amen. Lord, anytime, anywhere, any cost, amen. And I want to ask you, students, I know you got lunch. I know you got other things to do. But can I invite you today just to come into the altar? I'd like to ask the Board of Regents to lay hands upon you. I'd like to ask the faculty that are here to come and lay hands upon you, the VPs. I'd like to with the president and Karen today. I'd like to just pray that over your lives. Lord, anytime, anywhere, any cost. Lord, I have no agenda. I don't want to make it happen. I don't want to lose out with you. I don't even have to have it all figured out. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. If you're there today and you just want God to use you. You see, I want to show you one picture. Remember I told you that my wife and I couldn't have kids, and we were looking at the immediate. But just over the last six years, we've had the privilege to adopt two children. that yeah. were totally wow. waiting for us. Yeah. Yeah. But can I tell you, I wouldn't trade how it worked out for me for anything. Twelve years ago I didn't see the big picture. But he does. He sees the whole parade. He sees you while you're in the pits. He sees you in the prison. And he sees you in the palace. And it's your responsibility. You're the sum choices. Sum total of your choices, students. It's just to say, Lord, you've got it all. If you're here today and just want to make an altar. It's a team, my brother sings. Would you just come and meet me at the altar? Just say, oh God, Lord, anytime, anywhere, any cost. If that's you, we just step out right now? Just say, that's me, Lord. That's me. Let's do it. Thanks, ma'am. I love you, bro. Hey, outstanding.
1: What time do you got to leave? You know what? I'm going to talk to the
0: president.